Well, good morning, Brave Church. How are we doing this morning? Awesome. Well, I'm glad that you're here with us this morning. My name is James. If you're a guest, I am not the lead pastor of Brave Church. Uh, Technically, I am an overseer. So that's just fancy church talk for I love your pastor and we we hang out all the time and we pray for one another. And uh, he is one of the greatest humans that I know. So if you are a guest, this is a great spot. This morning, um, the past couple days of the day, day and a half, my wife and I are staying at my son's house up in Dade City, him and his wife and the grandbaby. So this morning, uh, little baby Ezra, I picked him up and I was just loving on him as a grandfather. I know you can't believe I'm a grandfather, but it's true. And uh, I sensed an odor coming out of, you know, his diaper and the, one of the great things about being a grandfather is I handed him to my son, and I'd be like, you got to change that. And I got to give the poopy diaper to my son, and he took him away. So that was one of the joys of being a grandfather, which is similar to being an overseer, because I get to say, hey, Ricky, you got a problem there. You're going to have to fix that. So <clears throat> anyway, I'm glad uh, to be with you this morning. This is going to be part four of our Rooted series And I'm going to pray and just ask the Lord to help me to share. Um, I believe that he's put something on my heart for everyone here, and I think it'll be helpful. So why don't you join me? And uh, as I pray, just agree, and maybe the Lord will speak to you this morning. Thank you, Father. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity, this moment where we can gather together, open up your word, and hear what you, the God of heaven, might say to us. And so, Lord, I do pray for myself that you'd help me to share what you've put on my heart, and I pray for every person in this room that they would all, each and every one, have an open heart to hear, not just my words, but Lord, in in between all of them, they would hear you speaking to them. Lord, your word is life to us, and it, it brings life in us, Lord, and I just ask that that would happen today. Holy Spirit, I lean into you today. I need your help to share your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, About five years ago, um, like December will be five years, I moved to North Carolina. Uh, Before that, I had planted and pastored a church in Wesley Chapel for 10 years. That's how Ricky and I had gotten connected. And um, so my wife and I, we lived here for 18 years in the Pasco County area, and we experienced in that time a bunch of storms, one of which... You know, you guys just walked through, and I remember going through different hurricanes, and, you know, I was the crazy guy standing outside when the wind was blowing because, you know, like Lieutenant Dan from Forrest Gump, this is all you got, you know, like, just, I enjoyed just the power of nature, it's pretty awesome, and I remember, you know, just about every hurricane would come through Tampa area, and, you know, you would see those giant oak trees, and you'd see them tipped over, and the, the big root you know, like an upside down umbrella kind of thing, you know, it's just like, and just the wind and the oak tree had been there forever, but for whatever reason, it had fallen over. Has anyone seen those, you know, where the the ground gets saturated? And And I look at those things and I think, man, that dumb tree, it just spread its roots shallow and wide and not deep. My wife has a, has a, a love for planting things. And so we live in, in North Carolina, and she is every season when it's warmer and in the spring, she loves just getting out and spending money at Lowe's, and she buys all these plants, and I have to plant them, I have to dig the hole, I have to water them. Am I bitter? Maybe a little bit. 
But she likes to, after we plant them, then she changes her mind and says, well, after, can we move this one over here? And then she like moves plants like Legos and it, I don't understand. And so there was one such situation a few weeks ago where there was a tree that was in our yard that she didn't like anymore. And she said, hey, can you move it or can you pull it out? And I was like, okay, no big deal. It wasn't a big tree. It actually lost a bunch of branches and leaves. And so I started digging around it and chopping the roots and I mean, it probably took me three to four hours to get this tiny little tree out of my landscaping. And I ended up like taking a metal cable, tying it to my trailer, you know, and like running, like driving my car with the trailer and the metal cables wrapped around the axle to try to rip this tree out. It like bent the axle, ruined the trailer. And it was terrible. And I was getting so mad. I don't think I cursed, but I was really close and when, it, when Ricky asked me to share and he said the series was on Rooted, I instantly thought of that tree where it didn't seem like it was a big deal, but like the roots not only went wide, but they went deep. And I remember cutting all the way around to where you could kind of move the trunk all the way around like this and I still couldn't get it out. I had to like get like a saw and saw the very bottom root that was going straight down. Why do I share all this? Because I'm hoping that maybe this message and this church will do that for us, that we will be rooted deeply, that the storms that we encounter in life and the difficult situations don't cause, cause us to flop over like those big oak trees that we've all seen here around town. And so the title of my message today is called The Day of Difficulty, or if you're taking notes, you can put like four keys to the day of difficulty. And these are four things that I think will really help all of us. I'm going to speak to myself um, that will help us to weather the difficult day. So the first key is this. It's not strange. It's not strange. So why would I say that? Well, um, in, in the Bible, I'll get to the passage in a second, but sometimes folks start following Jesus under false pretenses. So they'll say, They'll look at the Bible, they'll look at Jesus, they'll look at Christianity, and they think, oh, if I follow this path, um, everything's going to be smooth, I'm not going to encounter any storms, and everything's going to be wonderful. How many of you maybe have thought that in the past? Hopefully not too many. Okay, how many of you have uh, realized that after following Jesus, storms still come? How many of you realize that? Oh, good. We're all together. Excellent. I've even known folks who, when the day of trouble comes, they, they peace out because they're like, whoa, 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 that's not what I expected. I thought once I followed Jesus, everything was wonderful, and then the first storm comes, and they turn into the flopped over oak tree because they weren't rooted. So the Apostle Peter encourages us, our first passage for today, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 and 13. I love this. He writes, he says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. So if you look at this passage, there's some serious contrast here. Peter talks about the fiery trial, which is to try you. And he's saying, don't think it's strange. And so I'm here to tell you, if you're like maybe new in your walk with Jesus and you're kind of dipping your toe in the pool of Christianity, let me, 
let me save you from any false advertising that it rains on the just and the unjust, that Christians and non-Christians alike experience difficulty and difficult days are a part of all of our lives. So don't think it's strange when they come. But then the apostle, crazy, starts to contrast it and he says that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. I don't know too many people that when the difficult day comes, they click their heels and they're like, whoopee. Not too many people I know. But I do know that to grow in maturity is to navigate faith and the difficult day at the same time. And I'm here only because I have weathered some difficult days and the Lord has seen me through all of them. And I can tell you that I have been glad with exceeding joy, just like the Bible says. Maybe not smack in the middle of that day, but definitely on the other side of it, ex exceeding joy. So that, in other words, there's trial and there's, there's purpose in every testing and every trial and every fiery thing that we encounter, the Lord is in all of it. You know, I used to say back in the day that all of our days are father filtered. So before the difficult day gets to you, it passes before God's eyes and through his fingers. And so there have been some times where my wife and I, we would experience tough times or I remember early on, we'd have things that would break and we were broke. How many of you hate when things break when you're broke? <laughs> That's the worst. And I literally remember praying. I would say, okay, Lord, you know how much money is in our bank account and how much isn't in our bank account. And I guess you know that this is going to go to a washing machine or a water heater or a broken car. And so it's up to you to take care of it. Just a quick little plug. That's why tithing is a great thing. Now, Ricky didn't ask me to share about giving. I didn't plan on it. But the reason it's so powerful is because when difficulty comes and you've honored God in your finances, it gives you confidence to pray. How many of you would love to be able to go to God and be like, God, I have honored you with my finances, and so I don't know how you're going to take care of this financial issue, but it's on you because all of me and all of my finances are in your, in your control. Man, there's so much confidence, but there, there's a lack of confidence when you haven't honored God in that, and then you're like, well, I can't really pray about it because I haven't walked in obedience. Okay, that was for free. John also encourages us in John 16, 33. He says, uh, these are the words of Jesus. He says, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. There's a contrast again. Jesus is saying that if we're in him, if we're his children, if we have relationship with him, if we have surrendered the leadership of our lives over to Jesus, the fruit should be peace. Because we're in him. Now, and then he, this almost sounds like a promise. But there's going to be trouble. In this world, you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Man, I love how the Bible contrasts what God offers us in him. And then what life in the world we can expect. So it's not all going to be, you know, unicorns and roses. It's going to be difficult. But in him, we have peace. Uh, I w in North Carolina, my job, my nine to five job is I work for Samaritan's Purse. Some of you might know that. Uh, it's a non-government organization. It's a 
I don't know, our, our CEO is Franklin Graham, the son of Billy Graham. So I work in the Operation Christmas Child Project in Africa. So actually two days ago, I was in Senegal, Africa. So I was at this hotel, we were at a conference, it was great. And the food that we were eating was like really greasy. Uh, it tasted so good. But it was, I could see, you know, the film of like oil and trans fats and I don't even know what, but it tasted good. And I remember about the second day into the conference, my heart just started, you know, I'm, at, I'm 48 years old and at 48, you can kind of, you know where your food is. Like after you eat, you're like, oh yeah, that's right behind my heart. Like, so I felt my heart like saying, bro, what are you doing? You know, like I was feeling pain in my heart and I was thinking, bro, this, this might be it. Like. I'm eating garbage, I'm eating like motor oil, it tastes delicious, but I might die here in Africa, that'd be terrible, but I'm okay, I'm gonna go see Jesus. Like I had peace through the whole thing. It was just indigestion, so it was fine. But I, I was thinking about this morning, like there's a peace, the Bible says, that surpasses understanding. Like it doesn't matter what comes, Jesus promises that in him we will have peace. In the world there's gonna be trouble, trouble but if we identify with whose we are instead of the situation we're in, there's peace that will result. So not that I feel like I can, you know, eat garbage for the rest of my life. I, did, I had actually no, very little choice of what I was eating. Anyway, sorry, honey, I know you didn't know about that, but I ate garbage when I was on my trip. All right. Um, if we knew what trouble gave us, we would be happy. That's why Jesus said, be of good cheer. If we knew what trouble was, was purchasing for us, we would be okay with it. Even the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, it's not gonna be on the screen. He says, this light and momentary affliction, which is just for a moment, is working for you, is purchasing for you an eternal weight of glory. So like we go through days of difficulty and trouble and we're gonna talk a little bit about them in a minute. Um, but the first key is to realize that it's not a strange thing. Like some of you might, have, might, might actually right now be offended at God because of a troubled day that you had or a troubled season. And you're like, God, how could you allow that, that season of trouble? How could you allow that moment of trial? And I'm here to tell you, it's not God's fault. He promised we would have difficult days. You've been holding God to an expectation that he never promised. You were hoping for it, that'd be great. I wish I could find a promise in the Bible that said, when you surrender your life to Jesus, everything is wonderful. Everything is awesome. No, it's not. I watched that movie once, Lego Batman or something, and I can't get that tune out of my head. All right, key number two, look to the hills. Look to the hills. Psalm 121, the psalmist writes, he says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Whew, what a promise. So I've realized in my 48 years on the planet that what I focus on tends to grow. And when I go through a difficult day, if all I do is fix my eyes on the difficulty, the difficulty gets bigger and my God gets smaller. However, if I fix my eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith, he gets bigger and my problems get smaller. And I think that's probably 80% of our issue is we just focus 
on how bad things are when how good our God is like lands in the periphery way over here. Do you know the God that, you're, that we're approaching? Like, do you know who he is? He's the one who hangs the moons around the planets and the rings around Saturn. He's the one that created the human eyeball and the intricacies of the human body. Like every time humanity builds a spaceship and a telescope to look further into space, they can't find the end of it because it's God saying how big he is. Like, just his mercy and his compassion, his kindness, his meekness. Like for billions and billions of years in eternity, we're gonna be like a kaleidoscope looking at the greatness of God. And we have the incredible privilege of knowing him here and now. But our problems are delicious to look at. It's so tempting to stare at our problems like we can't take our eyes off them. It's like that, that the fly in a bug's life, remember? They had the bug zapper and he's like, it's so beautiful. That's what we do. That's what we do with our problems. Oh, they're so huge. No, they're not. They're actually not. Like once you live a few seasons on the planet Earth, you realize like the Bible says, it came to pass. Like things come and then they go away. Like I've been through some tough seasons and I've cried myself to sleep at night sometimes, but they don't ever stay. But my God does. The God who knows the beginning from the end, the God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever, who doesn't change. I was standing back there when we were singing that song, I Exalt Thee. Every time I sing that song, I lose it. I like start crying. And the reason is because before I knew Jesus, I would attend church with my parents back in the 90s and I was far from God. I mean, as far as you could be. And they would sing that song. Old school, I exalt thee. And every time that song comes up, which is you know at least once or twice a year, some worship set will include that. And I just get hit because the same God that loved me when I was running away from him followed me my entire life and he's still there and he hasn't changed and he's a good father and that's why I exalt thee that's why he's so good so the psalmist reminds us in Psalm 121 he says I will lift up my eyes to the hills so when we live on planet earth we have a horizon, right? It's like, especially in Florida where everything's flat, you have a line that divides heaven and earth unless there's a hill or a mountain. So my wife and I, we live in the mountains of Northwest North Carolina. It's beautiful. It's kind of hard to find the horizon because there's always like hills and mountains. And as I was studying this passage, I was reminded, I believe it was the Lord saying that the mountains pierce the horizon. So like our problems try to tell us, focus on the problem. Keep your eyes down. But a hill pierces the division. Is There's this line that separates and the hill kind of points an arrow to look up. And I think maybe that's what the psalmist was saying. Maybe he was just going through something and he looked at a hill and he realized, man, I've been looking down this whole time. I need to lift up my eyes because my help comes from up there, not down here. And sometimes we live our life focused on the down here and we should be focused on the up there. Because God is in control, like he's in charge, he's working all things for our good. 
I will lift up my eyes to the hills. When my wife and I, we moved to the mountains in North Carolina, I remember my first probably six months driving to work to Samaritan's Purse like this. Like just staring at the hills and the mountains and the beauty. I mean, it's just gorgeous. And then about, you know, three or four years in, I don't drive to work that way anymore. I just try to get to the office. And I realized that the, the draw, like I stopped seeing the grandeur. I stopped seeing the beauty of the mountains. And I wonder if that happens to all of us with God. Like when we first start following Jesus, when we first surrender our life to him, we're like, whoa, he forgave me of all this sin. And wow, he redeemed all of this garbage. Like he picked up all the pieces and look what he's doing with all the, the grossness I'm giving him and what he has a call on my life. I mean, it's just like this mind blown after one after another. And it's amazing. That happened to me when I was 19. And, but then you start following God after a while and then you know, you got to pay bills and you got to pay the mortgage and you got problems and you got issues and relationships and the day of trouble kind of makes your eyes go down and you stop seeing the grandeur and the cross of Jesus grows dusty. And maybe the psalmist is reminding all of us to lift up our eyes again and see how good God is, how kind he is. Like, listen, Everything about God is appealing. Everything. Some of it's a little scary, but I want that in a king. I want that in a God. I don't want a God I can put in a box. I want someone that makes me shake a little when I approach him and tremble because of his power and his might and his ability to handle my life. Brave church, lift up your eyes to the hills from whence comes your help. So that's the second key. The first key is that don't think it's strange when the day of trouble comes. The second key, to lift up your eyes. The third key, look ahead. Look ahead. Romans 8.18. For I consider, this is the Apostle Paul writing. He says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So again, we have a contrast. He's admitting there's gonna be suffering on this earth. So pretty much every author in the Bible is not denying that there's gonna be difficulty and trouble. But he's saying, if you compare them, they cannot be compared. So he's saying there is worth in the trial. There's value there. And if you compare it to the glory which will be revealed, what that means is, when Jesus comes, he's going to settle accounts. When Jesus returns, he, he's going to make everything new, and it's all going to be worth it. Um, how do we illustrate this? I remember uh, it was probably, I don't know, eight years ago, I was teaching my daughter how to drive. So we lived in Lando Lakes area by the outlet mall. And if you know where the driver's license place is next to the airport there, there's like this little industrial park in the back and there's like these little roads in the back. And I was teaching my daughter how to drive there. And so I was in my little Prius and I was in the passenger seat and she was, you know, driving. 
and uh, we, it's just kind of a big loop. And so she would go like this and she would turn the steering wheel. But if you're a driver, you know you gotta turn the steering wheel more than just like this. And if you're gonna steer the car and she just turned and the car only turned a little bit and we were headed for a light post and I was like, ah, we're gonna die. And I had to reach over and turn the steering wheel. And I realized that two things. One, she learned to drive from Mario Kart, you know, where you're holding the thing and that's all you had to do, right? She, that was one. The second thing I learned is that she was looking like straight over the hood. And, you know, if you're driving, you don't just look right in front of your car or you're gonna kind of pinball, bing, bing, back and forth in the road. You gotta look far ahead to where you're going. And I think sometimes as Christians, we just look at tomorrow or next month or we just look at our job or our career or that boat we wanna get or we just look at things so temporal And in light of eternity, this life on this earth is gonna last this long. That's it. In comparison, like, I know it's hard to think of billions and billions of years, but for billions and billions of years, there will be a new heaven and a new earth and we will rule and reign with Jesus forever. Like, forever. And in comparison and in contrast, which is what Paul is saying here, he's like, compared with the glory that's gonna be revealed, the sufferings of this present age, they're but a whisper. They're like nothing. And he's saying, if you live your life looking enough ahead, this is gonna be a a non-issue. Like if you fix your eyes on Jesus and you realize that he's gonna make everything right, every sin will be paid for, every injustice will be satisfied and brought to right account, everything is gonna be perfect. And if you realize that's coming, it's okay. It's okay. Like I can endure something if I know it's got an end to it. Like if I know there's a finish line. But if there's something that just goes on and on and on, I, I don't know if I can do that. But I know that the people who betray me, they're going to have to answer for that. And they don't have to answer to me. They're going to answer to him. And the people who slander me or the people who disrespect me or the people who don't act the way I want them to act, it's okay. I'm free of that because they're going to have to stand before God and he is just and he's righteous And I'm glad I don't have that job. And maybe lifting up our eyes and looking a little further ahead. I'll tell you one thing. This last year, 2023, the Lord has been just drawing my gaze to the next age. In other words, this is the age where we're waiting for Jesus to return, right? So the Holy Spirit is here inhabiting the church and we're like wrestling and struggling through and it's difficult and we're like, ah, the government and ah, this and COVID and The further you look ahead, I'm telling you, it stabilizes your life. So stop focusing on what's happening in all the crazy town of life in America. It it doesn't matter. Like, we have a king who's coming, and he's going to make everything right. And he's going to reward every tiny act done in faith. Every small thing. I mean, like, the tiniest thing of, like, you know what, that lady looks like she's grumpy. And because God loves me, I'm gonna wave to her with the love of Jesus, right? Something so tiny to make an impact, anything done in faith is gonna reap a reward when Jesus returns. You ever think about that? Man, 
What an opportunity to live our life for the honor of our soon incoming king. And I think that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, stop focusing on the suffering of this present time because it's incomparable with what's coming. I know for a fact that when Jesus comes, we're, we're gonna be, I don't know about regretful, I don't know if that's the right word, but maybe we're gonna be like, man, I stressed out way too much. I had anxiety over things that, are, that really didn't matter, and I missed opportunities that I could have walked out in faith. So let me just share one more thing um, in regards to looking ahead. We ha- all of us in our lives, we have moments of trouble and we have seasons of trouble. And sometimes our seasons of trouble begin with a moment of trouble. How many of you know that, right? Like you get the divorce conversation or you get the diagnosis or bankruptcy. Those are moments that mark seasons. And I wanna encourage you, there's two quick, not quick, but there's two things that help in the day of trouble or the season of trouble. And they've, this is what's carried me. Now, if you're taking notes, write this down. Cry out in the moment of trouble and abide in the season of trouble. Cry out in the moment of trouble and abide in the season of trouble. What does that look like? Well, without getting into the details, I have traversed some moments of trouble in my life. Uh, death of loved ones, where in that moment when, when they died, it was crushing. And what did I do? All I knew to do was to cry out to the Lord. And I, maybe you just arrived here at Brave Church for that one thing, to hear, cry out to the Lord. If you read through the Psalms, over and over the psalmist will say, I cried unto the Lord and he heard my prayer. I cried out in my distress and he answered me from his holy hill. Like over and over. And I think maybe that's something that we don't do very much. And I'm telling you, it's the greatest option in the moment of trouble is crying out to the Lord. And for me, what it looked like is I would go to my car, find some remote parking lot, bury my face in a towel and cry my face off, screaming the name of Jesus. Because that's all I had. Cry out to the Lord. And I'm telling you, in those moments where I cried out to the Lord, my roots grew deeper. My roots grew deeper. And in those seasons of trouble, seasons of financial hardship, seasons where we're battling sickness, seasons where there's relational conflict, sometimes the season lasts six months, six years, who knows? Abide in the season of trouble. And what does abide mean? It means simply Talk to Jesus. Talk to him. Just tell him what's on your mind. Jesus, I don't know if I can do this. Jesus, I don't know if I'm gonna make it through the day. Jesus, I don't know if I'm gonna make it through the next five minutes. Jesus, my heart is hurting. Jesus, I'm offended. Jesus, I am angry at that person. Jesus, I don't, I don't hear your voice. Like, just talk to him. As you talk to him, it'll develop deep roots in the season of trouble. Now, why do we do this? Because at 48 years old, having gone through many seasons and many moments of trouble, I can tell you, they are precious to me. Precious. Like, if I had the ability to go back in time and erase a moment of trouble or erase a season of trouble, 
I wouldn't erase a single one. I wouldn't take away a single season of difficulty because those seasons is what made my roots go deep in God and allowed my walk with him to flourish in a way that it never would have before. And that's what God wants for you. That's what God wants for us. Difficulty is an invitation to intimacy. That's, you should tattoo that one. That was good. Difficulty is an invitation to intimacy. So instead of keeping your eyes down and griping about how bad things are, how about you lift up your eyes, look ahead to a soon and coming king, and answer the invitation to being intimate with Jesus. Intimacy means into me, he sees. Being vulnerable with him and allowing him to speak to your heart. Difficulty is an invitation to intimacy. All right, last point, last key. Be comforted. Be comforted. There is a priceless benefit of following Jesus that in the moments, in the days, and in the seasons of difficulty, we actually receive comfort. Like the Lord comforts us. So let me prove it in the Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, our last passage for the day. Paul writes, he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies. Woo, so thankful for his mercies. And look what he says. And God of all comfort, who comforts us in some of our tribulation. No, in all of our tribulation. Why? So that we are able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted, comforted by God. So like, this is what I'm doing right now. Like literally, I believe this message is me living out this passage. I'm hoping to comfort you with the comfort that I've received in my moments and seasons of difficulty. I need to make a confession. I love comfort. I love it. Like in the fall and in the winter, when I get home from work, I like make a beeline to my room. I put on my favorite hoodie, my favorite sweatpants, favorite socks, and I just love to be comfortable. Like, and I realized that it was telling, like the Lord was speaking to me and he's like, hey, I know you love your comfort, but you actually really love comfort. And I was like, yeah. And it, comfort is not meant to be the end game. Like God will comfort us, but not for the sake of, so we, of so we can be comfortable, it's so that we can comfort others. So that when you're hanging out with your friends in their difficult moment, their difficult day, you can do what I'm doing with you and you can say, hey, lift up your eyes. Hey, look ahead. This season isn't gonna last forever. Hey, don't think it's strange. Hey, let me comfort you in your trouble. Like that's why God comforts us because we live in a world that is going nuts. We live in a world that is frantic and they, they don't know that there is a God who is reigning supreme over all of it and is working it all to culminate in a trumpet sound and Jesus returning. Like knowing that gives me confidence, come what may. Knowing that, hey, economy, stock market, doesn't matter. My God knows about it. He is the boss and he's coming to town. 
Man, that gives me comfort. And it should give you comfort so that you can comfort those when they're in the moment, in the season of difficulty. So let me close by just by asking you the question. What trouble are you going through? Maybe you've gone through betrayal or going through it. Maybe it's the death of a loved one, financial hardship, a diagnosis, depression, abuse, loneliness, anger, resentment. I mean, fill in the blank. There's 31 Baskin Robbins flavors of difficulty that we're gonna encounter on planet Earth. I promise you, we actually have a Bible promise that it'll be difficult, but it doesn't matter. And the best way to navigate it is one, don't get freaked out that it happens. Don't think it's strange. Number two, lift up your eyes to the hills. Like quit focusing on the issue. Lift up your eyes to the hills from whence comes your help. Number three, look ahead down the road. This is all gonna culminate. Like we have 80, maybe 90 years on the earth. And then we have billions and billions of years in eternity with Jesus and realize that he does comfort us so that we can comfort others. So I'm gonna pray for us this morning. After I pray, the prayer team is gonna come up and they're gonna be available to pray with you. Sometimes you just need someone to agree with you about stuff in your life and this is a great place and there's just something about somebody coming alongside and saying, hey, let's pray about that. And so this would be a great opportunity. Um, But I just wanna pray for you because I have been comforted a bunch for a lot of reasons. And I'm praying that that same God of comfort will manifest himself, will reveal himself to you. Will you let me pray for you this morning? Let's pray. Oh, Papa, I thank you so much for how good you've been to me. Your mercies and your goodness have run me down. You have been so kind. You have a history of faithfulness in my life personally, and I've seen it in my life. I see it in my kids' lives. I see it in my parents' lives, my grandparents' lives. Lord, I know that your goodness is from everlasting to everlasting. And I pray for every person in this room, every person watching online, Lord, that we would lift up our eyes, that you would comfort us with comfort by the Holy Spirit so that we would be available to pass it along and share it with those that are around us. Father, I pray for those who maybe have bought into the false advertising that things aren't difficult when you're a Christian. Lord, we let go of any resentment. We let go of it. And right now, Holy Spirit of God, I ask that you will move on this church, that you will move on every heart, that you'll heal, you'll restore. I thank you, Lord, that you order our steps. Thank you that you filter our lives for your glory. And we give you permission, Lord, to do whatever you want to do with us until you return. In Jesus' name, amen.